This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Let me start with this. Um, I don't think President Joe Biden is going to be President Joe Biden next year at this time. And it's not that I think he's going to lose the election to former President Donald Trump. I think that potential is there, but I don't think that's a sure thing. No, this isn't about a definitive loss for Biden versus Trump. This is about Biden being able to perform the job. And there's two conversations to have after a news conference last night that I think sealed the deal, cemented his fate at age 81 and a half. One is, can he win the election? And he couldn't. He was really struggling during the news conference yesterday and through some of which is no fault of his own. And I'll explain that in a second. Um, But he can't debate Donald Trump. He cannot be put in the vulnerable position of being on stage. They asked CBS asked to do a softball interview on Super Bowl Sunday where you're not going to ask him that many hard questions, despite all the hard things in the world. The U.S. border, massive issue. It's a disaster. And I think Democrats are recognizing that now. Canada's border is a bit of a disaster right now. Who's kidding who? But you've got the border to talk about. You've got how he's handling Israel Hamas, something that's very difficult A, to even talk about and get it right all the time. Uh, that's just that's just the truth. And then when you're in enacting policy as well, also incredibly difficult. But there's managing an election campaign, fighting off the attacks of Donald Trump and the Republicans. And then there's just being able to do the job. And does anybody really think you're going to see Joe Biden in the next five years for anybody who's experienced relatives, loved ones, fathers, mothers, grandparents who've suffered memory loss? He's starting to lose his memory. He's well on his way. That's not some partisan political statement. It's patently obvious. And there's a lot of fumbling around. He is not good in live moments last night. And he was hung out to dry by anybody who handles the media, anybody who handles his public relations, plain and simple. And you almost would ask the question, are they doing this to him on purpose? They can't be. Here's a clip from earlier in the week where Joe Biden struggles to remember the French president's name, in fact, calls him the German president, and then references a French president who passed away in 1996. Right right after I was elected, I went to what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. It was in it was in the south of England, and I sat down and I said, "America's back." And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean from France, looked at me and said, uh, "said You know, what? Why? How, how long are you back for?" And I looked at him, and the and the Chancellor of Germany said. What would you say, Mr. President, if you picked up the paper tomorrow in the London Times? In the London Amer- Biden just kept telling a different story after that. Now, last night, I watched it live. He emerged at the lectern. He didn't resign. That was a rumor that was circulating slightly. And he was in a fighting mood. He was in a contentious mood. And by the way, the whole concept of people losing their memory, they don't know they're losing their memory. It's a very difficult thing even to acknowledge. I, I know 30-year-olds. We've all been 30 at one point, and, and you tell somebody that they forgot something that's so patently obvious. I do it all the time. And your instant reaction is either admit it or argue it. And when you're 80, I think the constant fact is fight or flight. Uh, the constant reaction, I should say, is fight or flight. What was Biden doing at the news conference is a good question that you might be asking. He was responding to the special counsel's report. 
And he welcomed its conclusion that no charges should be brought against him for mishandling classified information. It's a complicated story that I don't have eight minutes to explain. But he was also quite combative. Why? He knows what the special counsel said about him. His uh, memory was described at age 81 as hazy, fuzzy, faulty, poor, and having significant limitations. Biden commented, there's even a reference I don't remember when my son died. His son, Bo Biden, died of cancer in 2015. So really difficult to conceal his anger. And I do indeed get that part. Here's more of the news conference. Let me tell you something. Some of you have commented, I wear since the day he died, every single day, the rosary he got from Our Lady of... Every Memorial Day, we hold a service remembering him, attending by friends and family and the people who loved him. The prosecutor also documented that he couldn't remember the years in which he was vice president, which was 2009 through 2016. I know it's not easy sometimes to remember specific dates and times. Somehow, some way, for all my flaws and foibles, I have this memory that I can do those things. So it's hard for me right now to relate. But do I worry about myself 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years from now being able to do that? Oh, my goodness, yes. Absolutely. And anybody who can't handle a special prosecutor putting somebody up on charges because he would be it would be too pathetic for him to defend them can't continue to be president of the United States and he can't continue to be the Democratic nominee. Here's his exchange. He often spars with Fox News' Peter Ducey. And as you might imagine, this got contentious last night as well. Something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because, in his description, you are a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president, and I put this country back on its feet. I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally bad out. is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad, I let you speak. That's, uh, that's, that's my memory. your memory has gotten worse, Mr. No, president? My memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory, take a look at what I've done since I've become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? You know, I guess I just forgot what was going on. Incredibly awkward, incredibly difficult, but incredibly important. People have to be told sometimes when they can't drive a car anymore. They have to be told when they aren't as good at their job as they used to be because of age. You might call that discrimination, but businesses have to be practical about this. Families have to be practical about this. And the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, there should be no margin for error when it comes to acumen. Ronald Reagan couldn't have done a third term as president of the United States after 1988. No way, no how. I'd even make the case that no matter what you think of Donald Trump, they're risking tremendously Trump's acumen. He doesn't look like the same person, doesn't sound even like the same person as he did in 2016. I know there'll be a quip and he'll wander and he has a very short attention span, period. But we're talking about somebody that's going to be 14 years removed if he wins this particular election from when he started to run for president. It's too long a time for somebody going into their 80s. I'm not for term limits for prime ministers, presidents, mayors. I'm not for that. But I think each case has to be judged individually. And watching Biden last night, it's a pretty easy judgment. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. During the pandemic, I developed a relationship with an employee in my office in a way that did not meet the standards to which I hold myself as mayor 
and as a family man. As a result, I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my mistakes and to do the work of rebuilding the trust in my family. Everybody needs a little time away. I'm deeply sorry and I apologize unreservedly to the people of Toronto. Most of all, I apologize to my wife Barb and to my family who I've let down more than anyone else. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. I believe in my heart it is best to fully commit myself to the work that is required to repair these most important relationships. You're listening to Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Not sure I've ever heard Chicago's hard to say I'm sorry, which used to be a slow dance in elementary school. So when you grab that pretty girl and you're hoping she'll dance with you, what are you sorry about anyway? And we ask those same questions. Uh, as a grade seven student, as we asked the Toronto mayor, what are you sorry about? But it is a year ago tomorrow that news broke that John Tory had a months long affair with a former staffer and Tory ended up resigning on the evening of February 10th. Now, I've documented my where was I moment. Um, and then Sheba Siddiqui, our producer and I did what we described as an emergency <laughs> podcast and you had... Just as many uh, tears that evening as you do now, but yours are of laughter. What? We made a great music montage. That's the goal. It's an audio audio gold mine. I I haven't heard that before. Gord, did you make that? I did. That was was award-winning. That was fantastic. I don't know who gives awards for best music montage about an extramarital affair by a politician, but... Best non-apology. Hopefully ever. my boss every year has <laughs> increased my, my, my money. What's the award category again? <laughs> Best music montage Yeah, regarding an extramarital of, of a number one hit, which Chicago had with Hard Sam, sorry, of a number one hit exposing an extramarital affair by a politician. That's right. Before That's the award category. That sounds more complicated than Best New Artist. Yeah. That was amazing. That was, I think, like top three Toronto political moments of my life. So does it feel like a year to you? And where I, you know where I was. I was on a rooftop in Phoenix, Arizona party, drinking for free, eating for free. And then I looked down on my phone and I'm not joking. It was like 11 text messages and they all were from different people. And I must be an hour and a half late to the announcement. I don't know if you called me. I I but somebody did you. something and we're like, Brady, where are you? I just thought, are he's you alive? How do you not know this? At a Peeler bar in Vegas. I What's don't do going those on? things. Where are or, you? I'm not in Phoenix, not Vegas. The world is ending and yeah. Brady has no idea. But this is, I remember this happening. I remember him coming out. There was How'd you find of, out? On your phone? Somebody call you? I found out on my phone. Okay. Uh, my, my phone started blowing up as well. On and Friday thought, afternoon, you would have done the show with somebody else that day. No, it was Friday. No, it came out like Friday, like 6 p.m. Friday in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. The story broke. And then I read the headline and I thought, no, I'm, I don't understand what's You're happening. I, yes. I'm misreading this. I'm misunderstanding this. And then when he came out, so wearing those shoes that he always wears that everyone makes fun of. And he looked at the podium. He oh. stared at the carpet for That's the entire time. He's an attractive man in those shoes to some people. Well, I guess he is to some younger women out there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not so much the older ones in Florida. uh, Yeah. Um, So this was uh, and this the concept was he's getting out in front of this story. The Toronto Star was investigating this. We talked. We've obviously talked David Ryder, Ben Spur. uh, I think Jen Pagliaro was involved in uh, um, not the not the thing, but the story itself. (laughs) I can't can't handle it. either. She's lovely. She did a great job Uh, on that. Yes. But, you know, 
I still think people look a year later and they think, I think there's some seething anger. I think there's also a curiosity. Why do you think there's anger? I think there's anger because he was such an overwhelming choice. 62% of people voted for him in 2022. A lot of people, as you and I know, kept their powder dry who were potentially going to run. I'm sure Anna Bailau may have had mayoral ambitions and she said, I, you know, John Tory, I'm close with A and B, I can't beat him. Josh Matlow, I think, thought, I can't win this election against John Tory. I'm going to wait till 2026. And then when Tory resigned, Sheba, because we worked so closely during the mayoral by-election the next spring, all these people are like wanting to be mayor. And I'm like, where were you in November? You didn't want to be mayor last fall they knew they to run against Tory because they knew he'd steamroll That's you. That's exactly it. And I think we were all, hey, it was a very shocking moment. It was delicious as well. I have to tell you that. I mean, there, all the chat groups, all the Toronto political chat groups were blowing up. Uh, But I think that when you say anger, I get it. So I think that people wanted an explanation that they never got. And then we thought we'd never hear from him again. We thought he'd disappear into the confines of uh, the uh, underground Toronto. But then he shows up at a baseball game and he shows up at another event and he's walking the red carpet somewhere. He endorses Anna Bailau, which people th- people thought he's going to keep his nose out of this election. And but that was two too weeks little ago, too late. He endorsed Anna. That was too little, too late. He did it too late, I think, in the game. But as well. do you do you think as well some of it? And we're happy to take texts on this and what you remember of this moment all morning long. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. My it, people might be like Brady Sheba. It's his personal life, and I'm like, it is and it isn't. He was he if it was just a personal affair that didn't involve someone on his staff that didn't involve taxpayer money. Okay, fine. I agree. Like, you don't have to quit. You can work on your marriage and still you do your job. Cheating on your wife doesn't mean that you have to quit as mayor. I agree. I 100% agree with that. It's it's who it was with. Yeah. It was how it happened. It was the secrecy behind it. It was telling us all to stay Thank home. Thank you. That's, my, that's where my anger is. Resté à la maison. That's where my anger is, is stay home, save lives. Um, he had taken a trip to England. And I remember this really well. He had taken a trip to England just as we were starting to close stuff down um, and people were worried. They were, remember St. Patrick's Day. Everybody's really worried. What should we do? Should the bars close on March 17th of 2020? And Tory's in England. I'm like, what's he doing in England? He knows that this is probably only headed in one direction. We're not sure what's transpiring with this pandemic, Sheba. And he goes to England with the former staffer. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're, you're telling everybody to be on their best behavior. And you're being on your worst behavior. Again, your marriage, it that's your business. Agreed. But you are absolutely being the most hypocritical of hypocritical politicians by telling everybody, hide under your couch, don't go anywhere, can't go to funerals, can't, you got to postpone your wedding. You can't go see somebody who's sick in the hospital. Your parents, your grandparents. And he's running and rolling around. Exactly, literally, quite literally. Yeah, exactly. I'll I'll never, and to not explain that a year later, I got no respect for it. Okay, so here's the thing, though. I lost all faith in politicians during the pandemic. I did. I, everything, at every level, I, I just, I don't trust any of them. I don't believe anything anybody's telling me. He was always squeaky clean. His image, his reputation, you'd see him, he's talking to everybody, he's shaking hands with everybody, he's posing for pictures. There was never a scandal about him. And this comes up and this happens, which, I mean, if you were betting, we would all completely lose on this. Mm. If he can do it, what else is being hidden in Toronto? What else is, yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of discussion about that. And listen, by the way, really quick, we just went through a uh, six-month period where the prime minister of this country separated from his wife. But guess what? I knew that we knew there'd be a two, three day buzz about this. What's going on? Why is this happening? Nobody talks about it. 
I don't want to say nobody cares, but nobody talks about it because it didn't involve, you know, flaunting pan, you know, uh, uh, flaunting, um, pushing away pandemic restrictions that you were imposing harshly on businesses and people and kids and seniors. But it also wasn't salacious. We don't know of any, any extramarital affairs in that situation with the prime minister. No, but but if but if with if a staffer. Yeah, that's the biggest the thing. Or an MP on the on the record, like if there's none of that business, then your marriage is your business. Yes. When it's on the public dime, when you're in a position of power in the workplace, and you are if you're the mayor of the biggest city in the country, um, then all, it's all wrong. All I know is that Gord deserves an award for that montage. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. It also is a morning of remembrance in a way um, given on February 10th last year in the evening on the Friday night of Super Bowl weekend, uh, John Tory quit his job and in rather dramatic fashion as a result. Tory had had a months long affair with a former staffer. He said it had ended earlier in 23. He said it started during the pandemic, but it certainly raised more questions than answers. And maybe uh, even more of those questions still exist. And it triggered just a remarkable year in politics. Um, and Ed Keenan, of course, covers Toronto for the uh, for the Toronto Star uh, coming back from Washington, D.C., where there was quite the drama yesterday as well. And it's been too long since we've had Ed Keenan on Toronto today. Welcome back to it. Um, we'll promise to have you on more often because I love our conversations. Well, great. I'm glad to be back, Greg. And it's good to talk to you today on uh, on on the eve of the Super Bowl and the anniversary of uh, of uh, huge news in the city. Now, your paper uh, deserves a boatload of credit because you were working on this story very much behind the scenes. So you won't have the same lens everybody else does, Ed. Where Friday afternoon, um, your you know you're just sh- you're, you know your foundations are shaken a little bit by Tory's announcement. Um, without asking too much, when was the sense that this is something that could potentially happen? A revelation leading to a resignation. Well, uh, I I will say that I I think for David Ryder, who's the city hall bureau chief, uh, he had been quietly uh, pursuing the story for a few weeks. Um, He had somebody had, uh, I think, I think given him a tip and he had started looking into it. And and he was trying to look if there was anything there and also if it was in the public interest to report it, if there was anything that was our business frankly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so at a certain point when it, when it seemed to be becoming clear that, that this uh, younger woman he had had a relationship with was working for him while their relationship was ongoing, that that's where it started. And that uh, he put those questions to John Tory. And so uh, I, I think um, about a week before the, before February 10th, I was looped in just into the, the this is the potential story. Um, but it still came as a shock. Uh, not, not that he responded uh, because David and then, and then some of our city hall colleagues had, had reported some of the details behind the scenes. Uh, but within, I believe it was an hour and a half after John Tory responded to uh, the star's questions. He, he got up at a press conference and announced uh, he was resigning as a result, and I had to entirely rewrite the draft of a column I had been writing uh, because that part of it was not foreseen really by any of us. Um, it, 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 
So you wake up on the Friday morning and you're you're still not sure that he's going to announce his resignation. He might admit the affair. But as you know, politicians from let's face it, you know, Bill Clinton, the most powerful uh, politician on the planet uh, in the late 90s. Uh, to, you know, kind of town councilors often fight these things and they'll say, I'm not going anywhere. I'll get counseling. I'll give it. My example would be, though, I'm not trying to convict him. Michael Williams, city councilor, was charged with sexual assault, which is a totally different thing than a consensual affair. And again, innocent or guilty, there are some politicians that would resign if that was the case. And he hasn't. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the first hint we had that that he might resign over this was was more like a little murmur of rumors from some insiders, and that wasn't until really like an hour and a half before he announced it. Uh, this is, I think, even in retrospect, and especially in retrospect, the integrity commissioner had a report on it, and um, and it, it really is uh, among the more tame <laughs> uh, affairs uh, that you could have. What details were in there are almost the opposite of lurid. Um, this is a, a couple of people who enjoyed, you know, wa- watching TV together and talking about their futures and and whatnot. And we're not talking about um, uh, sensational kind of movie details of a of a steamy uh, affair. Uh, but it sounded like they fell in love. It, 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 in, in, it's so uncharacteristic. It seemed to us so uncharacteristic of what mm. we knew of John Tory. That, that that the word sex scandal would go with his name at all. And yet the most characteristic thing is that he's a guy who was really, his whole personal brand was avoiding drama. Yeah. And at the first hint of it here, he said, that's it. I'm out. I don't want this. My name dragged through the mud here. I don't want this young woman's name dragged through the mud. I'm gone. And that was, that was the shock of it. Really. Well, I think you, you, you bring it up so you crystallize where we were as a city, and it's almost like people urged him to run because Rob Ford, the late Rob Ford, was was running the city as mayor while still having his popularity among some groups, was running his city very chaotically, a lot of disorder, a lot of scandal, a lot of embarrassment, and Tory kind of, you know, charges charges back to, to municipal politics, Ed, and says... I'm going to I'm going to do it without all that noise. Yeah, I mean, and that that was his promise as mayor. And I think for eight years, he sort of delivered it. There were no real major scandals. And if anything, uh, for some of our taste and not just because I'm a, a newspaper guy uh, who, who likes, you know, having interesting things to talk about. For, for some people's taste, things have become a, almost a little too boring because there was none of the personal scandal for that eight years. There was none yeah. of the, uh, you know, fighting it out in the chambers and all of that. But also it seemed like interest in general, things had kind of become a little boring. The city seemed to be a little bit on cruise control. Uh, and and so, you know, that worked for him for two terms. But at the very start of that third term, uh, things got thrown back into turmoil. And boy, a year later, uh, if you if you would told me where we'd be on the eve of not just the Super Bowl, but the city's budget process. Uh, I That's as shocking as anything else. 
has it ruined the legacy of him as, as mayor? And I bring that up because now we're recognizing, and, and you and I talked about it a bunch during the mayoral by-election, and all the candidates did as well. It's a city in disrepair. It's a city that needs to be fixed. Every single candidate, whether they align with Tory or not politically, was laying out, oh, we got to bring Toronto back in, in one form or another. Um, and then there's the cost of the by-election itself for a broke city. There was a lot. He's dealt with a lot of criticism. And some of it's been very pointed and very fair in the last 12 months. Yeah, I, th- I think um, the thing is, is that in fairness to him a little bit, uh, he, the reason he ran for a third term was to try and cement his legacy. He asked for these strong mayor powers. And, and we'll never know how that turned out. I think mm. uh, partly because of the pandemic, uh, a lot of things he wanted to accomplish uh, got put on hold while the while the city dealt with the pandemic and all of that, and he got uh, I think kudos for his performance in that. But it still left the city in a place where, you know, we were stagnating, we were in a financial hole, uh, the roads were potholed, like things were just uh, to the extent where where he was still well liked when he left, really well liked, mm. but. Um, I think it's interesting to note, and maybe this is something that happens in Toronto city politics, where the the mayor was personally well-liked and likely would have been reelected if he'd run again, even after the scandal. Uh, And yet the city, his politics were no longer well-liked. There was a sense, you say, even from people who would have been his allies who were running to replace him, of like, we need a change and we need a big change. And we need it now. Yeah. Uh, Ed, I got a blast. Uh, You can read Ed's work in the Toronto Star, and he's always interesting, always opinionated. Thanks for this this morning. I appreciate it, Greg. There's Ed Keenan. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. The stories from Belleville are really, really concerning. Yesterday, we've told you about them all week. Um, Tuesday, uh, the police in Belleville warned residents not to go to the downtown area in broad daylight. In the middle of the afternoon between 3.30 and 4.30, they documented 13 drug overdoses that uh, paramedics and police were responding to. Yesterday, the mayor of Belleville declared a state of emergency amid a wave of overdoses. Um, his quote, our emergency services, healthcare system, municipal resources are being stretched to the very limits and we're close to a breaking point. All this terribly concerning. Uh, we bring on the MP for Bay of Quinty. He is Ryan Williams. Ryan, thanks very much for coming on Toronto today and giving us your time this morning. Good morning. This um, region and this area must mean a ton to you. Um, you, uh, you ran as a, as a councillor and now uh, an MP in, in, uh, in Ottawa, but um, this, this is just harrowing. When I, when I read that to you over the phone, you just, it still must be a bit of a suspended reality here for someone who knows the city so well. Oh, it is. And I, and I grew up here and, uh, and, and I was chair of tourism for 10 years in this region. So I have a big, deep affinity for the Bay of Quinney and for Belleville. So, you know, this has been devastating. It's just been a build up over, over so many years. Uh, you know, everyone has a little bit of these problems they've mm-hmm. had forever, but it's, really been a major issue uh in and not just large towns you know you know we we always go to toronto montreal you go to chicago new york this has always been somewhat of an issue but now it's becoming a big issue in rural canada and when we see this in belleville it's only about two blocks from where i live 
this is a major, major issue, and it's come to a head. And and now we are where we are. So I did um I did seven years of OHL play by play, and now and then we'd stay in Belleville. Love coming, big That's ice cool. surface, right? PK Subban was playing for your Bulls when I was doing games for Saginaw, um, and uh, and then Windsor and. Um, I love the feel of, of the city. You've got a couple main streets that are so fun to walk down and check out a restaurant or buy a pair of shoes. And I, I again, I haven't been in that sort of area in a good five, six years. When did things start to, to take a turn for the worse, Ryan? Well, I think the main thing that we're pointing out here, and of course, I, I, I'm in Ottawa, so we're dealing with federal policy. We're looking at what is this failed catch and release policy. So we're seeing increased crime. Uh, crime is up 134% across Canada. You know, the the fact that uh, we, we're seeing more drugs on the street, you know, obviously we're just down the 401 from Toronto. So if there's any activity, I, I do a, a ride along with our local police once a year, mm-hmm. uh, which has been great to see what's happening. But every year that I've done this ride along, you know, the police talk about more drugs, more gay activity. Uh, I was involved in a ride-along one night where there was a pistol whipping, you know, just some, some interesting things we're seeing in rural Belleville. But the, it's, not, it's not the police. The police are doing the job they've got. They've got the police. It's the fact that they're putting criminals away, and then they're back on bail either that night or the next morning. And this has been this Bill C-75 that's allowed these criminals to be uh, put away by the police, but then put back on the street. And that's the main issue the police chief made uh, on his press release yesterday to say, you know, this is the problem we have with the police. We get these drug dealers uh, away and then they're back out on bail. And so, you know, that that's a big issue. And these drugs then are running rapid. We have a tainted drug supply that, that resulted in, in this, uh, this being a problem. It, either it's, uh, and this, this is, by the way, the second time this has happened in two months. So this isn't the first time we've had an episode of many overdoses mm. over a 24-hour period. This is the second time, and this is why the mayor has called the state of emergency because the resources are depleted. Uh, it was uh, horse tranquilizer, even, they think is in this batch. Uh, they think the, dra- the date rate drug was in the first batch, but it's drugs that, you know, these dealers are out on the street. They can't put them away, can't, can't keep them away. A big issue we have to deal with federally, we're pushing the Trudeau government to, to get this fixed ASAP. Is there a safe injection site in Belleville right now, like a, like a, a, a like an authorized one by uh, by the government? No. And the second thing we don't have is treatment. Yeah. So we don't have treatment beds uh, for drug and addictions. And our our philosophy has always been, yes, if, if well, the main part is let's get our, our, our loved ones drug-free and home. You know, drug use is, is, uh, is treatable. It is taking a lot of work. Uh, the other thing that we have in the city, uh, which is relatively new in the next decade, is a shelter. 21 spaces run by the organization called Grace Inn. Uh, my big push has also been for transitional housing. Transitional housing, and they do have one called Shiloh House. It gets people out of the shelter into housing. But as you know, and everyone knows across Canada, housing has also been a big issue. Yeah. And this is also forcing more people into the homeless situation. Numbers anywhere from... 150 to 1,000 homeless. We define homeless people couch surfing or sleeping in their cars. Huge problem, of course, in Belleville, Ontario, as it is in Toronto and other areas across Canada. Ryan Williams is our guest, uh, MP for Bay of Quinte uh, from the Conservative Party of Canada. Um, not to advance things too far, but if you become uh, government instead of opposition, if Pierre Polyev becomes prime minister, what a massive responsibility, um, because it's one thing, as you well know, to say we're going to we're going to have policy that fixes this. And then you have to get on the ground 
and do it. You must think about that a fair bit. What a tremendous, you got into politics for a reason. I admire anybody who gets in in this day and age, but what a tremendous responsibility to try and turn this around because it hasn't, nothing, nothing's worked so far. Well, that's the perfect phrase. It's a tremendous responsibility, I think, uh, to get into government. Uh, Pierre, as we're sitting caucus, uh, he says that every week that, you know, when we get in, it's going to be a tremendous responsibility. It's going to be really difficult because it's easy to do things. It's really hard to undo some things, some of these changes mm-hmm. that have really affected Canadians. So, you know, housing is not simple. Uh, we talk about uh, housing takes three things. It takes uh, shelter, it takes transitional housing, it takes affordable housing. And you have to do all those three things at once, as well as working at the supports. I'm, I'm, uh, my, my file is competition. So yeah. I'm looking at our tremendous cell phone bills. We pay the highest cell phone bills in the whole world. And how do we fix that? Our airlines, our airports, our, uh, even beer. We have two American companies that, that control all of that. And, they, and then, you know, wineries, beer, they pay tremendous taxes. Uh, internet, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. our banking. I've, I've launched a bank for op- uh, open banking. How do we get more competition in banking? All those things are tremendous and they're going to be hard. Yeah, it's uh, it, this is a sad story um, w- with what's happening in Belleville right now, but you nailed it out of the gate. It's happening in a lot of there's a lot of big city problems that you might expect that have come to an awful lot of southern Ontario and, and Ontario period small towns. I thank you for the time this morning and we'll, we'll chat again about uh, about this in the future, I hope. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Absolutely. Ryan Williams, uh, MP for the Bay of Quinty.